Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Electioneering by charities, 501c3s in the trade, was forbidden to begin with. But that has not stopped liberal big philanthropy from using charitable organizations for activities that dance along that legal line to help Democratic and left-wing politicians get elected. My colleague Parker Thayer recently released an extensive report on the voter registration project, one such charitable election-winning scheme. He joins my colleague Robert Stilson and me to discuss his findings. Uh, guys, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. All right, Parker. Who are Voter Registration Project? What are they? What do they do? <laughs> okay, so I'll try and make a very, very long story short uh, and tell you that the Voter Registration Project is essentially a money funnel for a large network of nonprofits that originated back around 2015 and 2016, uh, seemingly in the email inbox of John Podesta. John, uh, John, John Podesta show. being former chief of staff to Bill Clinton, uh, former Grand Poobah of the Center for American Progress, and former counsel to Barack Obama. And former campaign chairman of the Hillary Clinton presidential For campaign. Forgot that one. <laughs> um, which is the most notable one in this particular story, because as he was serving in that role, Democratic consultants uh, were emailing him plans for a $100 million five-year-long scheme that would use voter registration of, uh, they called it underrepresented communities uh, to get out the vote for Democrats in ways that nonprofits really shouldn't be able to do. And that was the intention of it from the very beginning. Uh, when you look at the campaign documents uh, that, can, that the consultants- And, and, all, and all, all, all these emails, they were sent in the expectation of privacy and then uh, some gentlemen, presumably from St. Petersburg, made them available on the internet. <laughs> yes, we uh, there's it does seem that the Russians were the source of the WikiLeaks. Unfortunately, uh, that hasn't stopped Democrats from using Russian sources in the past either. Um, but what these documents show is that they uh, intended to use these uh, supposedly nonpartisan voter registration drives to uh, get out the and this is their words was get out the non-white vote in order to benefit the Democratic Party. Um, they were planning on spending $100 million and using private foundations and, uh, you know, donations from the billionaire sponsor, the sponsors of the Democratic Party, um, but routed through private foundations, it makes them much more cost effective because, as everyone knows, private foundations are not taxed and contributions to them are not taxed. So in the end, uh, this plan ended up getting enacted and passed along to no one other than Sam Bankman-Fried's mom. Uh, she runs a super PAC. Sam Bankman-Fried, the... Accused crypto fraudster who just had his bail revoked for uh, alleged the one in the one in the one in the same <laughs> that guy. His mom runs a super PAC, and uh, the super PAC is still doing very well to this day, even though she's not on the board of it any longer, having resigned in disgrace. But she authored a memo to all of their billionaire donors and told them, "Hey, don't waste your time giving money to us or to other PACs or to candidates or campaigns." Instead, give your money to these nonprofits because it's four to 10 times more cost effective at netting additional Democratic votes. That's an exact quote uh, when compared to the next best alternative, like, you know, giving to a candidate or a campaign, the things that are supposed to be electioneering. Um, in the end, they uh, ended up, I think to date, they've raised almost $200 million. I think uh, maybe just shy of 190 now. 
Um, and they're planning on doing this all again in 2024. They have somewhere north of like 30 employees. I think their new executive director is the former head of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. Um, the mission has not changed. The, the goal has not changed. Um, the on, one of the only things, uh, you know, that makes this supposedly nonpartisan is the way they describe it. They continue to claim that they care so much about underrepresented minority communities um, and then show that care and deep concern by registering those people only in eight swing states that are important to the presidential election, uh, which I think tells you a little bit about what they're really after here. So just to summarize, we have a, a political action committee advising Democratic donors to give to charities in order to secure additional Democratic votes. Yeah, well, to expand upon that a little bit, they're telling their donors to give to charities that are forbidden from being partisan and from affecting election results in order to achieve partisan election results. And it's and it's and, uh, and there there's it seems there may be some abuse going on there. And is this the everybody votes campaign? Yeah, the everybody votes campaign is what they called it behind closed doors. In their memo, they told all of their donors, "Hey, make sure to keep this top secret. Don't tell the media. Don't tell Republicans about this because if they find out about this, they'll try and stop us." Um, but the Everybody Votes campaign is, uh, was their name bef- behind doors. Now they've gone very public about the whole thing since they got away with it. They figure they're safe. Um, but their the actual legal name is the Voter Registration Project. So who's so it was it was it made it intent. I, I, and I think this was part of their. Um, you know, we know that they were intending to keep the secret. I think that's all part of the obfuscating and trying to muddy the waters and make sure no one found out what they were up to. So who, who are the, the donors who are funding this? <laughs> well, uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time has probably heard all of their names at some point. You've got uh, big labor unions. You've got um, people like George Soros and Warren Buffett gave generously to this. The people who originally came up with the idea and sent it to Podesta back in his inbox uh, were representatives of Hans Org Wies, the Swiss non-citizen U.S. billionaire with a history of illegal election interference. Um, other donors include places like the Legal Conservation Voters and the Fidelity Charitable Investment uh, Fidelity Charitable Investment Fund, or whatever the name yeah, is. Yeah, the, the, the Fidelity of, uh, Donor Advised Fund Provider. Yeah, um, the Tides Foundation, all of the wings of the Arabella Advisors Empire. Um, pretty much every big name in left-wing dark money, if you want to call it that, or uh, you know, left-wing big philanthropy, all of them are involved in some way or another. And one of the things I thought was was really amazing because I I can't I'm not saying it's never happened, but I can't immediately recall another instance where I've seen it. But you mentioned in the report that some of these foundations were making the grants to this to the C3 to the Voter Registration Project, and in the in the grant purpose line, they were saying for the Mind the Gap project or for the MTG project, which is, which is yes. of course a pack. Where I don't were, think I've ever seen that. Some, yeah. To, to you know, exp- explain what Robert's talking about here. So in the report, uh, and there's an entire appendix dedicated to the foundations that did this. There were f- private foundations that gave, you know, not small amounts of money to the voter registration project slash everybody votes campaign. And in the grant description, they voluntarily disclosed, Hey, we're giving here because we read this mind the gap memo that told us to give money to this organization to help Democrats win. Basically, uh, there's it was it was somewhere four or five different foundations voluntarily did this and handed themselves potentially all sorts of legal trouble um, for you know intentionally using their foundation to do partisan things. I mean, th- this is 
for the longest time. I mean, time, I mean this, seems this, to, is... this seems to make an utter mockery of the IRS oh, yeah. rule it, that charitable organizations fear... can't mess around in elections. Yeah. The, the liberal side of the get out the votes, uh, you know, empire, there are there are some organizations on the conservative side that do a little bit of this. I mean, this is like unprecedented. This I think they generated, they registered 5.1 million people. Uh, that's a lot of registrations. No, no conservative organization has ever done anything even close to the scale. And the ones that do are extremely careful about treading that partisan line. They're, uh, you know, they're very... Very cautious. Would, they, uh, they, they, the the conservative side would never do this with a C three, at least under yeah, present circumstances. I don't think. Yeah, and I, I think I've said this on a show before. I don't think Karl Rove, in his heyday, would have thought of doing this because of fear of the IRS and the FEC. The liberal side of the aisle does not clearly does not fear the same. Uh, you know, they, they don't fear the law or the rules being enforced against them at all, uh, and that that needs to change uh, soon. Because they're they're planning on doing this again, like I said, it's it is bad. One of the things I thought was really illuminating, I guess, from the report is you know you have the voter registration project that's funding registration efforts in various states. You know they give to I think nonprofits, state based nonprofits that do the actual registration. And if you looked in the report, you you know you you explained the states that they were targeting, and it was like you know Colorado, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona. They're all swing states, right? Competitive mm-hmm. states. You know, if it was the everybody votes campaign and you're worried about everybody voting, <laughs> those don't seem to, I think even some of those states were amongst the highest turnout yeah. states you know, in the it's, country. It's unusual that they weren't out registering people in Kansas yeah, uh, or West uh, Virginia, South Dakota or didn't make the list, interestingly. Louisiana didn't make the list. Imagine that. I wonder if there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, you know, the... The idea that this is not partisan, I mean, like for years, the left has been doing this stuff. I mean, you'll, all of you will recall uh, our esteemed President Obama, his first job was as a community organizer for an organization called Project Vote, which is actually loosely tied to the voter registration project. Um, And then from there, he ascended to senator and then president seemingly overnight. Uh, Stacey Abrams kind of had the same meteoric rise, although she did not have the election successes that President Obama had. Um, but, you know, it, it goes to show you these left wing get out the vote organizations. They're ex- super powerhouses for the Democratic Party. And, and we've just been, as a country, told to believe that this is nonpartisan, that this is allowed, that these organizations are operating within the bounds of the law, even though like organizations comparable in size to this, I would say the only one ever in American history comparable in size to the VRP was maybe Acorn uh, back in its heyday. And that got closed down because they, you know, flew too close to the sun and got hauled in front of Congress and had all sorts of investigations. Um, this is bigger and and nothing's been done. So just to play devil's advocate here, uh, I, I can imagine, you know, the the liberal coming in and saying, why don't you want black people to vote? Like, like surely there's the, (laughs) surely there's an interest in, you know, communities that have historically been prohibited from voting or impeded from voting, uh, you know, being registered and, uh, ultimately then coming to the police. Uh, why do you, why, why are you against that question mark? (laughs) (laughs) There have been, I think a hundred people or more, uh, some, some pretty large left-wing accounts that have come into my comments and, and quote tweets and said about the same thing. Um, although in much less polite terms, 
and the answer I've had for all of them. I I want I think everybody 100% turnout would be awesome. I think it would be a great sign for the future of the United States if people cared about our political process so much. I think that would be a great thing. I just don't think that you should be able to use nonprofits and claim a tax exemption for registering people to vote, especially in a partisan manner like this. Right. Here, here, I mean, here, is, here I'm going no to put on my, my actual Mike Watson hat. Uh, yeah, this is a core, <laughs> like registering people to vote, getting them involved in the political process, and then turning them out to vote are core politi- should, should be core political party jobs. Like it should, it yeah, should be the step one of the political process. Right, it, 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 should, it should be the parties. It should be campaigns. I mean, and the advantage that parties have, at least, you know, theoretically over other forms of political organizing that we've had since McCain-Feingold basically turned the political mm-hmm. parties into little more than fundraising vessels for presidential campaigns, uh, all in the name of getting money out of politics, which worked brilliantly. Which uh, in turn got more money. Which in turn got, yeah, yeah, more, more money and more unaccountable money and more institutions that are not accountable to even the democratic interests of a faction. You know, and at least a political party, you know, if you have a problem with your political party, there are ways to get involved in the political party and change it. If you're. Mm-hmm. You know, but since we run our political coalitions now using groups like VRP, using groups like, yeah. uh, and it's not just VRP either. I mean, it's an enormous. This is a, uh, I would say, a billion dollar per cycle industry of get out the vote nonprofits. I wrote an op-ed in the Washington Examiner where I, I took a couple of the largest groups, places like America Votes and State Voices and the VRP, and put them together, and kind of counted up how many people did they register. Uh, you know, how much money did they raise? I mean. You take the RNC, the DNC, the RSCC, the R, the DC, DSCC, the DCCC, and the whatever, all of the acronyms. You take all of the core elements of the Republican Democratic Party, you put them together for the 2020 to 2021 cycle, all of the money that they raised combined. And then you multiply, it was like something like two or three times that. And then you had what these get out the vote nonprofits raised. I mean, it is staggering how enormous... This I'm basically just an industry is around getting people out to vote, you know, not not everybody out to vote, but the people who just so happen to favor Democrats. I mean, this is not how the political process is supposed to work. Uh, It's not something that needs to be subsidized and needs needs to continue. Like you said, this is a core element of political operations. It needs to be sent back to the parties. Now, in the report you had an estimate of, of roughly how many, like a range of votes that you believe that this might have netted for yes. Democrats. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that estimate and how, how you came up with it? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a rough estimate to be sure. Um, but what we did is uh, luckily since because of the WikiLeaks emails, we had the original, you know, schematics and intense data tables and mathematical formulas that they used to figure out, uh, you know, how many people they needed to register to flip results in States and, you know, how many people would actually turn out. So using that estimate uh, of we know how many people they register because after they were done with everything, they brag about it on their website, everybodyvotes.org, I believe. Uh, they have a breakdown. They have 76% of the people they registered were people of color. Over 50% were women. Uh, it was like something like 40% of them were under 35, which is actually remarkable given the age distribution of the United States. And we are an aging nation right now. So that is a, and 40% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's actually very notable, um, particularly among voters. Um, when you use those uh, figures, you get, it'd be very generous to say that 
let's say 70, and we'll, we'll kick it back to 60. 60% of these voters turned out for Democrats. But I think in the report we used 70. Uh, we'd actually be able to safely say 85 or higher. But uh, just for the sake of argument, for being safe, we use 70. And we uh, then looked at the 2020 election and two thirds of all registered voters, according to Pew, turned out and actually voted. Um, and so we, you know, plug in those percentages and what we know from the VRP report. And that gave us somewhere between one to two million votes um, for President Biden were generated just by this campaign alone, which is one to three percent, roughly, of his entire national popular which, vote. Which again, which again, assuming your assuming arguendo that everybody they registered was was in fact properly registered and eligible to vote, you'd have no problem with if the Democratic yeah. Party had gone and done that. It's just the it's yeah, just exactly. that it was I, a charitable organization yeah. that is ostensibly, you know, you know, if, if the Democratic Party outworks you and uh, you know outworks the Republican Party yeah. and they get elected, you know, congratulations. That's how politics works. Yeah, but this is this is essentially just cheating. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is this is you know fudging. This is comparable to fudging your taxes. I mean, they're they're cutting corners to save money in ways that really shouldn't be legal. Um, and you know, say there was one very ambitious person who didn't even have a political party and just liked registering people to vote, and that person went out and somehow managed to register five point one million people without any institutional support. I would support that as well. It's just you can't use the nonprofits and you can't do it in a partisan manner. That has to be ended. So I guess that kind of gets at what might be a question a lot of people are asking, like, okay, so we want charity to be charitable and we want politics to be political. Mm -hmm. How do we, what would be done so this, how do you stop this? How do you prevent this from happening? Most, there doesn't even need to necessarily be a new law put on the books. Um, Mostly, it just needs to be the IRS and FEC need to enforce what's already there. I mean, the left has gotten away with running roughshod over campaign finance rules. uh, I mean, for as long as we can remember. I mean, like last week, we found out that President Biden's super PAC is missing $12 million and nothing's been done about it. Uh, That was in the examiner, I believe. Um, You know, these voter registration nonprofits need to be considered a scandal of equal caliber to that. I mean, the, the... they need to be in fear of enforcement. Um, and I, I think just that effect alone will do a lot to rein in these activities because donors aren't going to want to get dragged into depositions and campaign finance debacles. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would I would say I, I, would, I would make a suggestion. I would say that we need to return power to the parties. We need to, re- you know, yeah. rather than having these private totally dependent on donor, uh, unaccountable through any mechanism to the general public Mm -hmm. institutions. This is before we even get into the questions of, are they abusing tax status? You know, the, the political parties are designed to organize people to do politics and current campaign finance law. Thank you, John McCain and Russ Feingold is prohibiting them from doing that effectively relative to these private institutions. We did not get money out of politics. We will never get money out of politics as long as government is as big as it is. You know, maybe using the institutions, charities for charity and political parties for political organizing, you know, maybe by having these institutions in their lane doing their job, Rather than chasing a, a fantasy where you know the 
richest country in the world, you know, one of the richest, you know, richest or one of the richest countries in the world with one of the biggest governments in the world, you know, that people don't spend lots of money to get influence in that government, uh, you know, that's somehow going to end. Yeah, that's never going to happen. And, you know, since you point out, you know, the difference between these parties and the fact that these parties really should be doing these things um, and, and they're not able to because of, you know, past legislation. I'm just going to point out another, you know, huge problem staring us all in the face about this. Nonprofit 501c3s are allowed to accept money from any foreign donor in the world without reporting that they're accepting that money. I mean, I, th- I think you could, I presumably you could accept money from sanctioned, you know, dictators. Right, Robert, and not I, I think that that would, that that would not be a it, sanctions that you, you'd have, <laughs> you'd have a problem, well, but if you weren't any, anything short of if you weren't that. sanctioned, I think um, you'd be you, you you might be more likely to be fair. Yeah. Um, but these nonprofits are allowed to accept money from anyone in the world, and they're doing what is basically campaign activity. The FEC bars foreign donors from giving to political candidates and campaigns, but these nonprofits are just a bad, it's a loophole for foreign yeah, money. This to is get this is this is what this is the Hans Jörg Stuff we were yeah. just. Or, I, I mean, mean I mean, get, on last week, on last week's in. podcast, we talked about it with uh, Jason Sneed of Honest Elections. Yeah, Hansor Wies is, is abusing this, and he's the one who his foundation came up with the whole idea for the VRP in the first place. But let's let's take it to an even more hip, uh, sinister hypothetical. Let's say a Russian oil uh, oil oligarch doesn't want competition from Alaska, and there's not too many people in Alaska, so he pays you know ten million dollars to a voter registration nonprofit in Alaska and registers people who are not sympathetic to the oil industry there. All of the sudden, uh, you know, a Russian oligarch is doing the things that the Democrats claimed was happening in the 2016 election, but they weren't actually happening. He's doing them in real life and totally legally. I mean, this is a, a serious vulnerability in our in our political system to foreign influence. And, and it needs to it needs to close. Robert? Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things you mentioned in the report that, you know, I know we've talked about multiple times on this on this podcast is is the issue of donor advised funds. Another another reason we can't be sure where all the money that has been funding this is coming from, because who knows who funded the donor advised fund? We just know that yeah. money is coming from the donor advised fund to the voter registration project. Yeah. Could be anybody. All of the money that came from Fidelity Charitable, it could have been Chinese tech CEOs, Saudi oil shakes. Russian oil oligarchs, it could have been anybody uh, and, you know, who's who's trading, you know, nonprofit donations for political power and influence behind the scenes. And we'd have no way of knowing. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? It's a great report. Um, I enjoyed reading it. I'd encourage anybody listening to go read it. Yeah, definitely go read the report. It's 36 pages, so it's quite a haul. Sit down. Grab yourself a nice drink, read it, and get ready to get mad. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again to my colleagues, Robert Stilson and Parker Thayer, for joining us. We will include a link to Parker's. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.